Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this month, for the month of June, we're only doing black rom-coms. Yay! Yay! I'm actually really excited, though, even though my, my voice sounds insincere. I really am. Like we, I really am, especially <laughs> Saving Silverman being the the final white, I don't even know if you could call it a rom-com, whatever it was, before a month of black rom-coms feels fitting because it was just like the peak of vile whiteness. <laughs> and we just need to move from that for a while until it inevitably comes back to snatch us up in its claws. I mean, we we have to because so much of so much of this genre has that. But so this week we have a different kind of toxicity, a different kind of masculinity here, and it is on display in the film "Deliver Us from Eva" from two thousand three. Directed by Gary Hardwick, who also directed future episode The Brothers, which The Brothers has been on my list. For, like, now that I know, they're like, Bronwyn, once you see The Brothers, this movie is going to make so much sense to you because it came out two years before this. And it essentially has, it, it's a different plot, but in terms of like the dynamics and what it's trying to say about men and women, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's got that same shit. That same, so yeah, the know. same, like, here's the philosophy of men and women and why they interact the way they interact. So that was just like setting the stage for some of the thesis of this. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally a precursor to this. And so the director also wrote the previous episode, The Perfect Match. Mm-hmm. So, uh... <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't listened to The Perfect Match episode, you could always go back, uh, listen to that and have a little bit of a Gary Hardwick binge. <laughs> Gary Hardwick, Bad Romance binge, very niche. Uh, yes. And so we got some writers here. We got... James Iver Matson. I don't not a lot of credits here. And B. E. Bronner. Oh, apparently they're writing partners, so uh, you know. Yeah, they're 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 a pair, you know. They they work together, they create works of art together. Together, yeah. Much like us, you know. Of course, of course. <laughs> so this film, uh, what a cast. We've got LL Cool J, Gabrielle Union. Megan Good, Essence Atkins, uh, Kim Whitley, uh, Dwayne Martin, who used to be the husband of Tisha Campbell Martin. I used to just think of him as Tisha Campbell's husband, and now they're getting divorced. They've been together for such a long time, it's like my parents breaking up. Um, I mean, yeah, you could still think of him as Tisha's former husband. Yeah, yeah. We've also got Robin Lee and Mel Jackson. These are this. Oh, Dorian Gregory, of course, from Charmed fame. This movie is very much like a uh, usual suspects of like black film stuff. Like if you are a black person and you watch this movie, you'll recognize everyone in it, even if you don't know what their names are. And yeah, the, it's the a stacked about, cast. Yeah. And the thing about black rom-coms is that like 
they they will put you in the work. Like if you appear in a black rom com, you're gonna be in some other ones. Like there nobody's gonna leave you hanging. <laughs> Which is beautiful, you know? It's like, all right, you're here. We have something else we're gonna make. Let's yeah, let's put you in there. Yeah, and Gabrielle Union will be in next week's movie too. So <laughs> we're about to spend some time with her. Which I, I do love for us because Gabrielle Union, I mean, I love to spend time with her. Gabrielle Union, uh, if you don't know who she is, who are you? She is <laughs> a beautiful, luminous goddess that just skates through the world. And she's, I just, I, I, I love her so much. Like, very uncritically, I love Gabrielle Union. She is incredible. And she is constantly turning in supporting roles like that's the thing that i've that has always like bothered me about gabrielle union is that she very rarely stars in things so you yeah know, she should it, it's absolutely ridiculous that we're not living in a time where there's like five gabrielle union movies coming out that are starring her specifically like we one, need that. we need that season one of the most beautiful women to walk the earth mm-hmm. and just such a charismatic like this movie could be a movie about gabrielle union being hot like all of the close-ups her skin her lip gloss i watched this first thing in the morning and i was just like absolutely I would not want to start my day any other way than staring at Gabrielle Union. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that, like, I also got to spend time with Megan Good and Essence Atkins. I was like, excuse you, movie. Like, like, every time I got kind of upset at something that happened in the movie, then I would just get to, like, spend time with these beautiful actors. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm calmer. This is much calmer than like watching Jason Biggs uh, just be an asshole. Yeah, the the thing about this movie that like really helps you swallow the bitter pill of like what it's what it's actually trying to do, like what the actual plot is, is that everyone is so beautiful and also everyone is styled well. Like everybody looks good and it's just so nice to see essence atkins in a movie it's so nice to see megan good like these are three of the most underrated black actresses working like it just yes. like uh, it's like seeing it it made me realize like i grew up with essence atkins like watching her all the time and it made me angry that i haven't really seen her recently and some of that is probably on me but looking at her imdb it's also just on hollywood Yes. It's, it, I mean, yes, it's absolutely on Hollywood. So uh, a lot of white people listen to the podcast. So going to do a little bit of a rundown here. Gabrielle Union, it, bring it on. 10 Things I Hate About You, Bad Boys 2, She's All That, Love and Basketball, Unfortunately, Birth of a Nation, um, Top 5, Sleepless, Cradle to the Grave, Think Like a Man 1 and 2, which means that she's going to be in three movies we do this month because she's also... I didn't even know she was in Think Like a Man because I've never seen that one. It's going to be a mess. I can't wait. She's in Two Can Play That Game, which is one of my favorite rom-coms. She's in a Tyler Perry movie. She's in Daddy's Little Girls. like, And she has just been like consistently working, consistently doing... um, 
supporting roles also just like consistently being one of the few like good celebrities there is like i've never had a problem with gabrielle union absolutely she actually speaks out about things she cares about in a way that feels true and consistent and she's also on tiktok now so if you're on tiktok you have another way to you know see her yes yes and uh essence atkins if you don't know who she is, she's mostly a television actress. So uh, she's in Smart Guy and Half and Half. Those were her two big things. And I mean, in terms of movies, she's <laughs> she's in How High. And if you don't know what that is, that is the Method Man and Red Man weed movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to rewatch that a month or two ago. And then I was like, I... I'm not even high enough to do this. No, absolutely <laughs> like stoner not. comedy from 20 years ago is just too painful for me most of the time. Yes. And uh, Megan Good here. Megan Good is one of those actresses that should be an indie darling, but isn't for some reason. Like she was in Brick, Friday. Uh, oh my God. She's so amazing in Anchorman too. I love her in Anchorman too. She makes that movie. Um, yeah, Megan Deb- Good is amazing. Yeah, Debs. Apparently, she was recently in Shazam, so I'm glad that she got that big DC paycheck. And, you know, of course, Eve's Bayou, which is, you know, one of the best children's performances I've ever seen, and she's only gotten better over time. I also should mention there's a movie called The Intruder that came recently, which is like about her and Michael Ely being harassed by Dennis Quaid. And, you know, I have not watched it. Oh my but god, I'm, I remember. Okay, I remember seeing the preview in theaters. <laughs> I remember seeing the preview in theaters and I was like, who is this for? Like truly who is this for? It is this not for me. I am not interested. Who is this it for? Is, it's incredibly relatable though. Like a white man that just won't leave a black couple alone. Like I remember watching the trailer and being like, this is a horror movie that would actually scare me. Well, that, yeah. I think that's why I was like, okay, is this people who are like, I'm going to get catharsis because this is so real. Um, or is this for people who like haven't experienced white people doing that and are like, wow, this is absurd. I guess it would be yeah. a cross section. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, everyone has such different reasons for seeing movies. But yeah, I do remember that preview because I was like, holy shit. I feel like eventually I will see that, though. Yeah. And, and like all of these people, Robin Lee, who probably gets the least lines in this movie, she's in 13 going on 30, Hitch, Seven Pounds, Fifty Shades Freed and Fifty Shades Darker, National Security. Like it's. Yeah, Robin Lee is everywhere. She really is. This cast. Oh, my God. I could just go. And of course, there's uh, God, there's the men. Um, <laughs> oh yes, the men are there. They are in the movie. That is they also sh- a thing. They sure are. Um, yeah, there's the light skinned one. Uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Oh my I don't, god! I don't know who that man is. I really don't like. He, 
he could he could you know come up to me on the street and he, I I wouldn't know a thing. So I'm I'm sorry to this man. That's so funny. Are we talking about Mel Jackson? No, I know who Mel Jackson. Okay. Is. I'm talking about the one who was married to Essence Atkins. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know who he is. I think, um, I think his name is D'Artagnan Edmonds. Which, hold on a second. Is that really his name? Yeah. Is that his name? No, no, no. Oh, wait a second. Okay. Okay. I mixed it up. D'Artagnan is the one that I don't know. I don't actually, I don't know either of these guys, but I guess Mel, Mel is the light skinned one. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I was like, okay, I know, I know Mel Jackson. I didn't know uh, D'Artagnan either. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. I had, I had the mixed up because once again, I do not, I don't oh, yeah. know. Either oh, you know, D'Artagnan men. was in. Uh, Judgment Day, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Oh, yeah, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Apparently, apparently Mel Jackson was in Soul Food, which I should remember. I should remember that. I should remember that. I've seen... (laughs) (laughs) You you store a lot of memory when it comes to movies and actors. I'm always very impressed. So I would be nice to yourself if I was you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that eight times. Okay, I remember now. That's like how my brain works. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, this cast. uh, The plot of this movie is kind of similar to 10 Things I Hate About You. And, I mean, the concept is you know, as old as time, it's the taming of the shrew. Deliver us from Eva is essentially the taming of the shrew. Eva is played by Gabrielle Union and she is a no nonsense, you know, overachiever, power suit wearing feminist woman. And she, um, her parents died young. And so she basically became the, the mother to her three sisters played by Megan Good, Essence Atkins and Robin Lee. And so the men, but the men (laughs) that are with her sisters don't like her. And it's because she's so strong willed and feminist. And because her sisters come to her for help and guidance and this is a bad thing apparently right yeah it's like (laughs) from the very beginning i mean first of all it's so funny the way that it's set up that like you know these were the these are the beautiful sisters and all the men want them except for eva because she's so difficult so all these men wanted to date these sisters and they were friends before they like married them or got engaged because they're at varying levels of relationship so there's this whole thing of like you know, like the family of sisters, like the hot sisters, but then Eva is ruining it by taking care of them after their parents die. Like she's ruining it by being like, she's giving them advice. You know, she's giving them advice about their relationships and careers. And so the guys are just like, Eva's ruining things again. (laughs) Eva's really fucking thing. So, so here we go. We got, okay. So Megan Good. Megan Good is with uh, D'Artagnan, and and their thing is that she wants to focus on school, and he wants to focus on their relationship, and she and he wants her to pay attention to him, and he doesn't like Eva because Eva insists for her to focus on her schooling. Now, 
So what he's saying is, is that he does not care about his, about the woman that he loves, her future. He does not care about her future. He does not care about her career. He doesn't care about Scholastic Cinema. We don't even know what she majors in. We don't know what she's studying because he's not interested. So he's upset with Eva because she told her little sister to focus on school. And and it's like he's proving Eva's point because Eva's point is, you know, investing in your education is going to help you no matter what happens with your relationship. And it will set your relationship up for success. And his his kind of whining about it is like proving Eva right because he's showing that he's not really giving her what she needs at this point. Yeah, it's just... The thing about it is, is that if I wrote this movie, Megan Good would break up with him. This is the character, D'Artagnan, um, who plays Daryl. Daryl is the character that I hate the most. And uh, Megan Good's character, Jackie, does not, could do so much better. Like, yeah, every scene I was like, she could do so much better. What the fuck is this? Yeah, and I honestly wondered, because the other relationships, I, I could understand why they were together. But hers, I had a hard time. I was like, did they get together years ago when they were extra young? And so there's that kind of like memory of, you know, young love. They're still young, but like hyper young. Or does she think he's attractive and that's really all that she wants? You know, that's fine. Like, I was very curious her reason. Because with him, it is clear he's into her, but it's in a very projective, like selfish way. Like where it's just like, you know... I'm threatened by you. Like I'm threatened by you going to school. And like, obviously he knows that she's beautiful and cool, but he's not sure how to appreciate it in a way that's healthy. Whereas I don't know what she sees in him. Like, no. Yeah. It's very hard. Like it, it, it looks like to me a thing where like they were in high school. She was a cheerleader. He was on the basketball team and they just like dated through and now she's trying to become an adult and it's like he doesn't want to be one like that's the backstory that i'm writing for them because i can't imagine like them meeting each other in a normal context and her wanting to put up with him at all <laughs> yeah exactly i think that you have it right cuz that was the vibe that i got from their on-screen dynamic yeah, so we got we got that issue. Uh, then we also have uh, Essence Atkins and Mel Jackson, or um, Karina and Timothy. And so Timothy wants to have a baby, and Essence Atkins is not sure because she's worried. Um, you know, is she ready emotionally? Is she ready financially? Uh, d- you know, does, is this a leap that she wants to take? And she's unsure. And Eva, of course, gives her the advice that like, wait until, wait until you're ready. Wait until you have your ducks in a row. And so once again, what I would like to say is break up with him. No, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Like, I know that there are ways, like, they could go to couples therapy and they could work it out. But the fact that he's so entitled to her womb in this way makes me want to bash his head into a wall. Yeah. No, I completely... <laughs> it's That's the frustrating thing is, like, obviously I want to... 
I want to look at all the characters and like look at their perspectives in nuanced ways. But the men in this movie, because of the way the movie's written and because of the way, because it is Taming of the Shrew, the men in this movie are so insufferable. Except for LL Cool J, who I actually love, but we'll get to that. LL Cool J. LL Cool J. We're going to get to it. I'm obsessed. I was like, he gave me so much life. But we'll, yeah, we'll get to him. Um, We'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Because the movie, you know, just as the movie demonizes Eva, aka Gabrielle Union, by having her be, you know, like she goes on rants about feminism that make no sense at various times. And even when she does that, I still like agree with her for the most part. Like she's just like, ah, like the female spider eats the male spider. And it's like completely, there's no reason for her to be doing that. And I'm like, that's fine. Go off. (laughs) Great. Yeah. No, no. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Cause that's the thing. Okay. So the, the last couple that we need to talk about is Robin Lee and Dwayne Martin. And that's really like, uh, so Michael and Bethany. And that's really the mo the couple that makes the least sense yeah. because I don't know what their problem is. It just seems like he wants to marry her, but he feels personally threatened by Eva and seems to be waiting for Eva to like move away or die so that he can propose to this woman and it's like you could just propose and also you're gonna be part of her family why is it conditional that her sister go away for you to marry this woman once again i feel like he is one of the most uh, of the men uh the instigator of the shenanigans if you could call them shenanigans you know that we'll get to um, he's like very pushy about that. So I agree. It's almost like he doesn't have a very clear, a very clear conflict with Robin. It's more just like this general feeling of anger towards Eva and feeling like he doesn't know where he fits into this family and this family is very close and therefore he doesn't know where he fits in to his own relationship. Yeah. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this right after saving Silverman is that like, what these men are trying to do and where they're coming from is honestly very similar to saving Silverman with this, this idea that like Eva, Eva's mere existence is an existential threat and this anger towards her that they do not investigate at all that they have that critically they don't engage with what that means. And I'm here to say that what it means is that they hate women. Like all three oh, of yeah. like, The I'm way like, that they're, because like, I understand, of course, the way she's written is like that she's so, you know, combative and hard on people. Um, and there would be ways for these men to be frustrated by her that wouldn't feel deeply misogynistic. You know, they're, they could vent about her in the movie and I wouldn't be mad at them. It's not that, it's not that they have to like everything she's said and done. It's the way that they talk about her. It's like when, when a man is really angry at a woman, uh, whether it's about something that feels valid or not, and they immediately resort to calling her a bitch. It's that energy where you're like, oh, you wanted to say that already, but now you have a reason. Right. Yeah. It just seems like in time, it just seems like they hate women, but they believe that if they remove Eva from the equation, they will be able to continue hating women 
while being married to them. Like, it's just like, it'll be easier to be a misogynist to our wives if this woman is not here. Well, and one thing that I felt was, I I completely agree with you. I feel like they, one of the things that Eva does with her sisters um, yes, does she step into their relationship sometimes? Sure. But she's also reminding her sisters of who they have said they want to be, right? Like you she, want to go to school, you care about, you know, you don't want to get married unless you know for sure, or you don't want to have a kid unless you know for sure. She's reminding them of of what, both what she's learned living and, and basically turning into a parent for them, but also like what she knows about them. And that gets in the way of the men projecting onto them as, as objects or as love objects as like, I want her to do what I want. And And Eva's telling her to remember what she wants. Yeah. And it's actually like really like, it's, it's really messed up because, because they hate Eva so much because Eva is like honing in on their territory, their territories and the women that they own, the women that they purchased. Um, they're upset with her because she is being their, like, she is the boyfriend that they cannot be. She does everything that they are supposed to do. And, It's just so interesting that they never just take a second to be like, maybe we could just do for these women what their, what their sister does. And like, there's a, like, of course they're close to their sisters and you know, there's like a shared trauma and all that. But I strongly believe that Eva would not be taking charge this much if these guys just were taking care of shit at home. Right. Because like one of the main things that the guys get so angry at or frustrated by is that Eva's always giving advice. And I'm like, well, maybe if you were actually paying more attention to what your partner was saying or what your partner was thinking about, and you were able to engage with her about these things on the same level that Eva is, they wouldn't be going to Eva all the time, you know, or, or it wouldn't feel invasive because it'd be a thing that you're talking about. Um, but the, the conversation, the hard conversations that they have, it doesn't feel like the men are actually like, why don't you want to have a kid? They're just reacting. They're just like, Oh, that's because of Eva. It's it's like a reactive feedback loop. And to be fair, to be fair to the men, like Eva is very reactive as well. And my read of that is, yeah, there are of course times where she, goes from zero to a hundred when she doesn't need to, she could have handled it differently. But my read of her is that she's been in fight or flight for so long because she's literally been keeping her and her sisters alive. And, and she's dealt with a bunch of bullshit from people in general, but specifically men. So she's just like, yeah, I'm going to have this wall and you're going to have fun getting past it. Whereas the men in this situation don't really have a reason to be that reactive. No, they don't. And the thing, and what really gets me is that this movie would only last like half an hour if they did what any normal functional person would do, which is go to Eva and ask her for advice about how to like be better partners right. to the sisters. Because the thing is, is that Eva is portrayed as a bitch, but Eva loves to explain shit. And she would have done it. And then it would have been done. We could have been done. That's such a good point. I think you're completely right. If if any of them had gone to Eva and been like, hey, you know, I 
me and your sister are having these kinds of conversations, or I'm not really sure how to be a good partner to her in this area. What do you think? She would definitely, she would definitely tell them. It would just be in a way that they don't want to hear. Right, exactly. And so, but what they do instead, because they don't consider women to be people, uh, is they go to a man for help because they just they just couldn't imagine asking a woman for help. So they go to a man, a man that they barely know for help. And that man is played by LL Cool J. Uh, so they they go to LL Cool J, who plays Ray. And they, <laughs> they, you know, they have they talk about Eva, and there's a bet there becomes like a a, not a bet, but like a bribe, it, br- bet bribe kind of in place. Essentially, these three men pay Elo Kuje $5,000 to date Eva, make her fall in love with him, and then break her heart so that she moves away. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And they get the idea because they see him like at the bar with two women and like the women are fighting because they found out about each other and they're just like, that guy's a player. Like if anybody could like, you know, win Eva over, it's him. And like, he's known for being able to kind of, you know, seduce or romance uh, all all women. So he's got this. He can take on the challenge of Eva. <laughs> the five, okay, can we, the $5,000 thing. I was like, I, it was, I think one of the funniest things for me is the fact that that's not even a thing. Like, yes, it's a lot of money, but there's not a whole shenanigan about how to get the $5,000. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, we we can... <laughs> yes, they just I was like, have. wait, you all just have $5,000 like combined? Like, especially in 2003, 2002, like that's a lot of money. And that's that's so much money to give to a guy because you don't know how to have a conversation Right, exactly. <laughs> like it, it, it is so. This like they is will pay five thousand dollars for a strange man. Again, there's also like the the misogyny of hiring a man, and you don't know if he's safe to you, yeah. right to hang out with and seduce your your wife or fiance or girlfriend's sister. Like you have no idea what this man is capable of. Like, what if he? luckily he's not luckily he ends up being the best guy in the movie but like what if he was a predator or something and he's just taking money to go see some woman like what like it's just such a wild idea and they just they just don't care the thing is is that they don't care about her safety and it's so funny because like near the end of the movie um ll cool j goes on this whole like he does this whole speech about how Eva, she runs her church choir, she teaches Bible study, she like volunteers for like sick children, she you know, she she does all of this stuff and he's just like, why do you talk about her like a bad person when she obviously works really hard for other people and basically dedicates her entire life to other people and they were, and then the guys get all like weird, it's just like, well we didn't say that she was a bad person, we just said that 
she was annoying. And it's like, no, you said that she was a bad person because if you didn't think she was a bad person, then you would have just spoken to her directly instead of paying $5,000 essentially to not talk to her. They literally <laughs> described her as like demonic. Like at one point they were like, yeah, she got a cross, a necklace with the cross and Jesus. And the next day Jesus was off of it. <laughs> like they were just like describing her as this, like this, this power of of just like this vortex of evil or something so then for them to backtrack and be like oh yeah no she's a good person she's just annoying we just don't like her it's like what <laughs> eva honestly reminds me like of course she's like <laughs> eva reminds me of like a, a black woman on twitter who like started out like just fine and then like over time people were so shitty to her that she's just like doing 10 part threads every day that is what evo oh my was. god no <laughs> <laughs> and like i'm speaking about one account in particular but i'm not gonna say but like you know you know what kind of account yeah, i absolutely about, know what you're talking where about it's like somebody has good points but it's like they're so they are so beaten down that they just don't know how to engage regular anymore. And I, and I mentioned this also because I constantly worry about becoming that person. So people willfully misread her so much and demonize her so much that eventually she's on the defensive already, she, you know, even yeah. with you people, because she's just like, I have been misunderstood or disrespected so much. I am just going to come at you and do that to you first, because like that has been done to me so much. Like her, yeah. that, that's why, yeah, I felt like her character was in fight or flight mode. Like I felt like because the moments even before her and LL Cool J are like really hanging out a lot and we see them, uh, there's like a moment with her job because she works as a food inspector, and that's like a thing where she's like a really strict food inspector, which I thought was really funny. I was like, okay, if any job I do want a food inspector to be uh <laughs> to be strict, you know, like that's I don't mind that, but she get she she's told that she might be able to get a job in another state, which is a whole thing in the plot. But you see her smile really big, really warm for the first time in the movie. And it's because she's being recognized and treated with respect. Like she's being recognized for her work. She's being given credit. She's being seen. And she her complete demeanor changes. Like that's it. <laughs> because like she just she just wants people to respect her and treat her like a human being and and not like an entity to like be like it it's she's just standing up for herself but unfortunately because this is filtered like through the minds of three the three men who like made this movie it it tries so hard to make her anger unjustified and they mostly do it just by making her overreact to certain things but it's like it, it's the same kind of thing with like amanda pete and saving silverman where it's like yes she's overreacting but the root of the issue is very clear and i'm still sympathetic to it yes absolutely and it's like the more that the movie doubles down on not being sympathetic to it the more i feel sympathetic to it like in in response Right. Like, we're just supposed to, like, turn on her over time, but I'm not. Like, I'm not turning on her. Like, I just, I just think, I just keep on thinking about what if I met Eva? What would happen? And it would just be like, 
I would just like take her out for a drink and I would just be like, girl, like you seem really stressed out. Like, have you, have you, have you done therapy? Do you need me to suggest someone or do you just need to like have a glass of wine and like chill once a week because I'm available. Like I, like if I met her, I would immediately try to like make her life easier because she's stressed the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Like that, there's no like de-escalation, emotional de-escalation um, in the movie. <laughs> yeah, like like before LL Cool J pops up, the only people who treat her with any respect are her sisters, and then they're and they're punished for it. They <laughs> are, yeah, and even that. I mean, they're sisters, so you know it's still like a teasing, uh, sometimes intense relationship. So it's like she's the general world is not treating her with that. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's it's so so. Um, LL Cool J is uh, he he delivers meat. Like it, it's interesting. LL Cool J is just fucking the whole time. I was just like, I miss LL Cool J in movies. What a comforting. Me too. Presence. I've always loved him so much, and I really loved that period of time where he was in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I just, I just love him so much. And like, if, if I were like constantly in fight or flight mode and like all, and like spiraling and like, uh, you know, uh, like toppling under stress, which is currently how I feel and how I feel most of the time. Like if in LL Cool J, like even if LL Cool J was just showing up to be my friend, if LL Cool J was just like, I want to be a good friend to you, I would fucking cry because this guy is amazing. He's He has such fun energy. I was obsessed with their first date. Oh my God. Okay, so he works delivering meat, right? So he has a truck with like a big fridge in the back that he delivers meat in and on their first day. So at first he doesn't want to take the gig from the guys. Cause he's like, this is involved. And I don't know about all this. And then he ends up seeing Eva uh, when she's being a food inspector at her job. Cause he is at a restaurant at the same time. Of course she doesn't know who he is or anything, but he recognizes her from the pictures he's seen and he sees how intense she is. And then he's like, yes, I want this challenge. Uh, so he, he ends up, you know, showing up at a few functions with the guys and flirting. And at first he's like, oh, I have a girlfriend because he's like, oh, women only want a guy who another woman wants. And then he's like, and then the next time he sees her, him and his girlfriend have broken up and he asks Eva out and they have this, you know, this flirty antagonistic, but flirty rapport. And he's like very good at disarming her emotionally. Like, and then the first date, I was just obsessed with the first date until it went south. Because um, he picks her up in the meat truck, which I loved. I was like, I would be so into a date where I got to ride in a big, like, truck. Like, <laughs> like a big truck that goes on the freeway. Um, and they're, like, in the truck singing. They're, like, very cute. They're singing together. Like, you see her laugh. Uh, and then they get to a restaurant and it's like good vibes until the manager of the restaurant comes out. And it turns out it was a manager who had managed a restaurant that Gabrielle Union, a.k.a. Eva, had shut down because like they had a, a, a broken light in the fridge or something. And so she freaks out because she realizes that the person running this restaurant 
doesn't follow the rules and that person threatens her and is like, yeah, we know that you're here. So we put something special on the sauce. So she's like, we need to get out of here right now. I am not eating here. And, and Ray, AKA L cool J is just like, Oh no, come on. Like you're making a big deal of it. And that's like, you know, the conflict of their first date is that it starts out really good, but then, but then this restaurant thing happens. But I just, personally could not get over the fact that they were driving in a big meat truck and that was my takeaway (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I was so into it I yeah I would I would also want to ride in a meat truck like I don't know maybe (laughs) so I'm, I'm I can't explain it but I'm glad that we're on the same page on that yeah, I, I had a feeling that you might also understand where I was coming from emotionally with that. <laughs> but yeah, he's just he's just great. Like really, their their relationship honestly doesn't have a ton of conflict when you think about it. Because the main source of I mean, the film also doesn't, because the main source of the film is this idea that Eva needs to be tamed, that she needs to be conquered. And what we find out, like, further along as she dates LL Cool J, is that, like, no, she just needed someone to talk to her and treat her like a person. And he does that. And you can all, and you can also tell, like, how, like, he acts like a big player and acts like he's, you know, good and everything. But, like, you can tell how surprised he is, like, how easy it is for her to calm down because he's just being a nice, he's just being decent to her. And I feel like at some point it goes through his head that it's just like, wow, those guys who paid me never tried with her at all. Oh yeah. Like you can see it in his face very early on. Like he's expecting it to be so much harder and it's really not. And even after the first date ends badly, he ends up talking her into going on a second day and he's just like, I'll do whatever you want. What do you want to do? And and she's like, okay, sure. So they go horseback riding. Oh my God. And of course she reveals that she wanted to be a horse trainer, but because her parents died and she had to take care of her sisters, she never got to like pursue that, you know, really. And, and now that she's established in a job, it just feels like you know, what's the point of that? She's used to having a steady paycheck, but they have this very vulnerable exchange very early on. And he's like, you can tell that he's just like, this woman is nice. Like she just has a lot on her plate. (laughs) Like he's kind of like, oh shit, I'm getting paid to do this, but I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, So, uh, so what happens is, is that um Ray and Eva's relationship becomes good and then oh no the sisters start being like well why can't our partners be more like Ray and the men are just like oh no Eva's continuing to ruin our life and but the thing is is that like it's not far-fetched for them to feel that way it makes total sense that they would look at a man who listens and who is a good partner and wonder why they don't have the same because they deserve it yeah I mean Ray's like it, it is hilarious that they hire Ray. They try to convince Ray. They get all this money to pay Ray. And then they're mad that Ray's good at it. <laughs> like that's ultimately like, they're like, you're too good at this. 
this woman likes you. And now our, uh, the ladies that we're with are upset. <laughs> like it's just so funny to me. I, I love that it, they never, not even at the end of the movie, do they consider maybe we could just be nicer. It's so, it, it's one of the things because the, the main problem, the, okay. So let me say some nice things about the movie. Beautiful cast, really funny acting, shot really well. Everyone looks great. Like, you know, you can tell when somebody really knows how to light black skin. Like there's just like deep chocolates and like deep caramel. And it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. So I I don't want to, so this is a movie that is enjoyable to watch, but the politics are bad. And I just want to be clear about that. Yeah, Um, I completely agree. That is that is exactly what's going on here. So, so anyway, so the boys get upset um, about things going too well for Eva and Ray, and they also find out about Eva having a job that she could get that would that would send her away. And so then they're and then they're upset with Ray because it's like, okay, you got to dump her so that she can leave. This is the prime opportunity. And he doesn't want to do that because, you know, he loves her. Right. Uh, so, so then these boys decide that they're going to fake his death so that she will take the job and leave town. Which, I mean, number one, that's insane. Number two, just because she's not living in town anymore doesn't mean that she's never going to run into him again. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's interesting to me because if they were thinking about things more from an emotional standpoint versus a physical standpoint, they would think, well, you know, if Eva's happy and she's with this guy who makes her happy, then she'll probably be too busy being happy to, you know, quote, ruin our lives Whereas if she's far away, but she's still unhappy, then she might be calling her sisters every day and, you know, wreaking havoc. Like, I'm trying to get inside their logic. And I'm like, even in their logic, it wouldn't make sense for them to want to cut Eva off from a good relationship. Yeah, it's just like, they're just, it's so, it's like, they're so misogynistic that it has affected their brain function. Yeah, absolutely. Like a part of the frontal lobe has, has actually been cut off by the misogyny. Like the misogyny has cut off the bloodstream. It's an issue. And it's like, I'm coming from this, not, not just uh, like, forget the fact that I am a feminist woman. Like if I were a dude, like if I were a bro, even if I were a bro, like if they, they told me what was going on, like we had a drink, I would be, I would be like, listen, I, I know you don't like this bitch, Eva, but why don't you just ask her for some tips about how to have a, like how to, you know, get into the good graces of her sisters instead of doing all this extra shit, you're spending $5,000 to do what? Like nigga, have a conversation. Like that is what I would say. Yeah. Like (laughs) it's just like, uh, and I, and I refuse to believe that there's not a black man in the world that wouldn't be able to understand this. Like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, it's so, it's so, like, over the top of, like, the woman over here and the guys over here, when in reality, even people who are misogynistic, there's, yeah, there's range, there's still range. 
Still, so yeah, of course, the whole thing like devastates Eva because she thinks that Ella Cool J is dead. She uh, also shot- can we say I like I love that there's a faking of a death in this movie. There's a faking of a death, and that's not really addressed. Like it's addressed that they did that. Like they're like, yeah, we faked his death, we kidnapped him, but they don't show how they pull it off. They just show them kidnap Ella Cool J, and then there's the funeral, and it's like. Oh. I'm just like, that is such a massive, like, I get that it's a hijinks movie and we cover lots of those. So we know, we know, but I was, I was cracking up because I was like, that is such a major thing to just be like, yeah, we, we faked his death. <laughs> yeah. I, well, Cause like the beginning of the movie, which I guess we didn't talk too much about is like, there's, there's narration and the narration comes in sometimes. It's very inconsistent. The narration's just like, here is the story of how I died. And it's just like this whole like to do about it. And this is after the the opening credits, which are just like this whole like lips like the opening credits are great. Like the opening credits remind me of the opening credits for my best friend's wedding. Like yeah. it's just like everybody's like lip syncing. There's like um really like retro style and there's like dancing and it's like it's the only it's time so in the cute. movie i loved it's, it it's the only time in the movie where the boys are charming and the movie hasn't started yet well yeah because <laughs> the boys aren't talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not talking but yeah so it so the movie is framed around ll cool j's death um we didn't mention that it's not really important. It doesn't really become important until like much later. And even, even so like halfway through, you forget that it's even a thing until it happens. Um, so yeah. So I also, I will say there's one really great shot in this movie, like from a filmmaking standpoint, it's actually made pretty well, but I love how, um, there's a, there's like a beauty, there's like a salon that they're always at. Yes. Which I think is run by, um, Oh yeah, uh, Kim Kim Whitley. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, there is oh, what is the name of the actor? Is it Maine Andrew who um, plays? Like, there's one gay guy who's always at the salon hanging out with Kim Whitley, and they're like the funniest characters. Like, they're just oh, always having the most fun. I was like, I want the movie about them. <laughs> I love them. I love that part where she was talking about like dating old men and then they die and then they leave all their money to her. <laughs> exactly. She's like, get them old enough so that once they start annoying you, they die. And then she like, she's like very into whoever any of the women are with. She's always just like, I'm here if things don't work out i'm ready and then like the guy always rose her he's always like of course you are like they're just very cute and very fun yeah yeah love them so so the shot is like they they pull out of the salon and then you see what's happening through the window so you don't hear them telling uh eva that ray is dead but you do see her faint and then everyone catches her it's a it's a great scene and i wish like, imagine if that scene was in a good movie. <laughs> I know, right? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the coordination, the shot, it's great. It, it really is. Uh, so yeah, there's, so there's like a whole, um, you know, really sad theater, like a whole like funeral sequence. And, you know, it just makes you feel really bad because this is like, Eva, because you also find out that there was a guy named Lucius who she dated in like high school and he was the guy that she was supposed to end up with. 
but when their when her parents died, she said that she wanted she needed to like support her sisters and Lucius because I guess <laughs> like the men in this movie just have to suck. Lucius was essentially just like, well, I need you to pay attention to me or nothing. And so then he so he ended up, you know, dumping her and then getting with another woman played by Kenya Moore. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah there's like a whole scene when before LL Cool J's death, death is fake there's a whole scene where like uh basically uh Eva runs into Lucius and his now wife and Lucius and his wife are so mean to her and they're like making fun of her job but you know it's in that passive aggressive kind of like oh you do that oh that's so nice we do this like oh like yeah you you know you missed out it's just like that very over the top like oh yeah, here's my attractive wife who hates you. And, you know, she's all like, oh yeah, you broke his heart, but look at him now. And then, and then LL Cool J comes up and he like saves the day. And he's just like, uh, he's like talking about trading stocks. He's like, oh yeah, like I'm in the stock market. And then he knows the mayor. (laughs) Like he just like completely, you know, blows Lucius out of the water. Um, and yeah. at, uh, so like, that's like a wound that Eva has is just like the kind of like, did I mess up by letting Lucius get away? And then she has this great moment with LL Cool J where it's like, no, I'm seeing this guy Ray and he's really cool. And it's like, you have that scene that's very obvious where you see your past, but then you see where you are and you're like, no, where I am is good. And so that's, that's an emotional reveal, uh, that the viewers get for Eva, but then, the, the day of the funeral, LL Cool J breaks into his own funeral. And of course, the guys are like, how did he get out? Because he was kidnapped, you know? He was like, they kidnapped him. They also like, they had him chained up. Like, I couldn't believe it. They had him chained. And I'm just trying to figure out how all of these dudes, none of which are buff, were able to subdue him and get him chained up. Also, you're putting... Like you're putting another black man in chains for for the yeah I I was like wow that was a choice that they made yeah that yeah it's just it doesn't it it doesn't curl over for me but that's fine so yeah he comes and uh, he you know he says yeah they faked my death and blah 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 and all that shit and then but then he but then he comes clean about the bet. And he's just like, yeah, they paid me to, you know, trick you, but I actually do love you as it turns out. So, you know, please give me a chance. And of course she doesn't. And he has to do this big grand gesture involving a horse to get her back. And it's, it's incredibly sweet. Like, you know, I, I kept on wondering what this movie would be like if those other guys weren't in it at all. And it was just them because they were so cute. They like they looked well together. They had chemistry. They're both incredibly hot. I like, mean, LL Cool J was so good at it. Made, like his micro expressions were so good of just like when when Ray was you know, softening towards her, but also just like in a moment when he's trying to express how he feels, but also understanding why she's skeptical of him. Because after the funeral scene, there's multiple times where he shows up at her work and, you know, she ignores him. And then, and then he gives a whole speech where he's just like, 
I really, really am sorry. And I understand why you don't trust me, but like, I know you still have feelings for me and she still kind of ignores him. But then what really breaks it is when he shows up with a horse and brings a horse indoors where she is. And I loved it. I was like, this is rom, this is rom-com. This is, it works. Like this is over the top rom-com. And like you said, if, like the movie could have been just a rom-com about them. Obviously there would have to be some sort of conflict, you know, to make the plot move, but it could have been a sweet rom-com <laughs> and not, and not this movie where, because of course, so they do end up together, which is wonderful. But of course the movie has Eva apologize. She apologizes oh. to the very guys who oh. set her up for this. So like, okay. Yeah. Yes. This is, and this is the part where suddenly I was in a blind rage because I remember this movie. I've seen it a million times. I did not remember how it ended. Well, it's like I remembered the horse, but I couldn't remember anything else because it was a white horse. He came in on a white horse. Like, come on. Um, but yeah. So what happens is, is like, I guess now that she has been tamed by love, she turns to the guys and he's, she's just like, you know what? I've been meddling in your business and I'm sorry. And I'm going to get out of the way so that you can have your relationships. And you never see them apologize for deceiving her. And they, they, and then the, all like the women basically give them everything that they want. Like suddenly Essence Atkins wants to have the kid. Megan Good is fine spending less time during school. And then like now that Eva's out of the way, Dwayne Martin can propose and no one ever gets no one except LL Cool J gets mad at them for what they did. Yeah. And LL Cool J you, is like, fuck these guys. And I, I just hate that everybody else, I hate that none of these men got dumped and that Eva even apologizes. Like it would be one thing if there was a scene where they all apologized to her and they were like, we're so, so sorry. This was horrible. There's no excuse, et cetera, et cetera. And then she was like, um, you know, I, I still would hate it. But if, if there was a conversation where it started with them apologizing, then she's like, yeah, you know, there have been times where maybe I've been too hard on you before, but it's like what they did justified everything she's done. Like, I, it's just, the fact that they all get what they want, I hate that. <laughs> like, I wanted her sisters to just, like, dump them, move on, find better people to be with, and LL Cool J and Eva to just have a happy life. Yeah, yeah. This this movie probably would have been salvaged if the men had any accountability, but because the romance works out. It, the movie just lets them off the hook. What they did was abusive, sociopathic, manipulative. The way that they act in this movie proves that they deserve to be alone. Yeah. Like <laughs> none of them are capable of being in a loving, healthy relationship at this point. And yeah, the movie's logic says, well, it worked out because LL Cool J is a better guy than all of these guys. So it's okay because he's actually taking the brunt and because he actually cares about Eva. So it's fine. It's like, but that doesn't matter because he could have not been <laughs> like very easily. And even yeah. though he was, this still traumatized Eva. Like this still traumatized and humiliated her she literally thought that a man that she was falling in love with died like you this cannot is, you cannot justify that <laughs> this is 
never speak to you again territory and the movie does such a disturb uh, like a disservice to the sisters who seem like intelligent women to have them just be like you know what they're right. Our sister was really getting into our business too much. Let's let's just isolate her uh, instead. It's 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 terrible. It's it's such yeah. a terrible ending. And because I'm not a kid, like I watched this so much as a kid, and like it just didn't really like it didn't really. This is a horrifying ending. Like this is bad. Yeah, it's really scary. It's like these guys are off. These guys are terrifying. Like I wouldn't want to know these guys at all. And like also, like they're very two faced. Like I know that if I was around these guys and they thought that I was a bitch, they would like come up with some kind of plan to like cut me down to size instead of like telling me how they feel. And it's just like you can't trust people like that. No. And yeah. And it's terrifying that they're presented as like normal in the movie. Like the movie knows that the circumstances are over the top, but the movie never questions them. <laughs> like, and well, that's yeah, terrifying but- is that their perspective is fine and normal. And I'm like, what does that yeah, say but- about men? <laughs> well, yeah. Cause the movie, the movie is essentially just like all men are like this. Yeah. So it's like, this, Oh, you know how men think behavior. about their, partners sisters you know and consider how to ship those women off you know casual stuff (laughs) it's like it's essentially just like a weird like parent trap like meredith from parent trap thing where it's like we gotta put this kid in boarding school like we gotta put Eva. oh yeah absolutely like like they would if they could they would just put her onto a mattress and like set it into the ocean like that's that's how they feel about her they we would like introduce her to Barney Stinson and then he would do the bed thing. Oh my god, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, if we really wanted the movie from hell, then it would just be a Saving Silverman meets Deliver Us from Eva like crossover movie. <laughs> um, but maybe like Amanda Pete and Eva could join forces and like, I don't know, kill a bunch of the men. <laughs> yeah yeah this if there's like if there's a movie that would make you a misandrist it's it's this one yeah (laughs) because it's just or just amanda p and and gabrielle union just bringing the men all of the men from both those movies into a room and just like having a a week-long emotional like boot camp to figure out what kind of therapy all of these men need and how long they need to be separated from women in order to like be safe oh yeah they would they some would sort need of like to be, uh, yeah reconciliate it like, i don't know some sort of restorative measure like a quarant- a quarantine situation yeah they can't be near you can't go near women until we figure this shit out exactly you're on timeout you're on timeout yeah <laughs> Um, so if I were going to suggest an alternative to this, uh, you know, I would say watch 10 Things I Hate About You because 10 Things I Hate About You is the better version of this movie. And I feel bad about that because like, it's a movie with a bunch of white people. Uh, so, I mean, if you want a good version of this movie, I'd say watch 10 Things I Hate About You. But also, you can watch this movie. This movie isn't going to hurt you. It'll make you mad. 
but like it's on Netflix, you know, you could turn it on and like do your laundry. Yeah. Uh, you and, know, yeah, you can turn it on and you can enjoy the, the wonderful chemistry between LL Cool J and Gabrielle Union. Also, you could watch Two Can Play That Game, which Gabrielle Union is also in. And she is, she's not a main character, but she's very fun in it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so just, just watch a better movie. Watch anything with Gabrielle Union in it. You can't or, go wrong. You know, you really can't. Like, if she's in a bad movie, she's still Gabrielle Union. I cannot stress that enough. She is Gabrielle fucking Union. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> This is a Gabrielle Union fan podcast. If anyone gets it twisted, <laughs> any oh, any God. opinions expressed about this movie do not reflect on her personally. Yes, yeah, I like. I did not even realize how much I stand for her until this because I was just like, really, I just I don't have a single bad thing to say. Oh, me neither. Like, I, I couldn't rack my brain for it, nor would I want to. You know? No. Yeah. Like. Oh, God. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, So, yeah, you've been listening to the Bad Romance Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. If you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes, you should. Nothing should stop you. Absolutely. We love that. We love that positive attention. Uh, Yes. Our theme song is by Clutch Douglas. And we will be back next week to talk about breaking all the rules. Yes. And we love you, and I hope that you're drinking water and putting on sunscreen and being nice to yourself. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Bye.